Hello and welcome and happy Mother's Day to you all. We're very excited to be worshiping the King Jesus this Sunday in the season of Easter, the resurrection season. And specifically, uh, we want to make sure that we are thanking the mothers in our community. It's, it's probably more difficult this year to celebrate Mother's Day when we are still maintaining our distance, but we just want you all to know that we appreciate you. And at Curbside Communion, we will, in fact, uh, be handing out flowers uh, to our mothers as they drive through. So we thank you and we welcome you. Let's uh, pray as we start this service. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you are meeting us today. We thank you that you have given us the gift uh, of the mothers in our community. I know I'm so particularly blessed by my own. And we just pray as we enter into worship of you that you would be glorified today. Lord, that you would be glorified in our houses, Lord. That our life wouldn't just be about us but it would be about the story of your kingdom coming to earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on. 
Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Jesus said, the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Glory be to God on high, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. We praise thee, we bless thee. We worship Thee, we glorify Thee, we give thanks to Thee for Thy great glory, O Lord God, Heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that taketh away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us, Thou that takest away the sins of the world, Receive our prayer. Thou that sitteth at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For Thou only art holy, Thou only art the Lord. Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Let us pray together the Colette. Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life, grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, Forever and ever. Amen. This morning's first lesson comes from the Acts of the Apostles, beginning in chapter 7, verse 55, commencing. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, and said, Look, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 31. It will be read as a lesson. It will be selected verses from Psalm 31. 
In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Into your hand I commend my, commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities, and have not shut me up in the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief, yes, my soul and my body. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. Oh, how good is your goodness. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. O love the Lord, all you his saints. For the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays a proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Second lesson this morning is from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, It is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word, to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory be to thee, Lord Christ. St. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, Lord Christ. Good morning again. Today I want to share out of the uh, gospel lesson, but there's a lot of stuff in there, so we might not get through it all. Let's open in prayer, though. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So it's Mother's Day. And I was trying, I really, I, I'm telling you honestly, I was praying that God would give me some sort of miraculous Mother's Day message, you know? Something that would just like be so exciting and like, wow, awesome, like our mothers are amazing. Cause I do believe all that stuff, but I just kept getting drawn to the gospel and as much as I could find a way to make this all about mothers, it's just not. It's about all of us. So yes, it includes mothers, but it's not a specifically Mother's Day message. But it's really, really good. Not the message, the the scripture, guys. Lord willing, the message comes across okay. So in John 14, and we're going to go through and we're going to have the, the, the scriptures on the screen. And I'm warning you now, I use the ESV, not the NKJV. It's just the Bible I have. I'm not making a political statement here. 
Uh, but either way, you can follow along in the ESV if you want. They'll be on the screen there. And I just want to go line by line and just talk through these things that Jesus is saying because it's so utterly revolutionary. And yet we've heard it so many times that maybe it gets a little bit, maybe not boring, but at least routine, or maybe the power of the words gets lost in the repetition sometimes. And we need to remind ourselves, because the word is living and active, sharp as a double-edged sword. This should cut us to the core when we open our hearts to what God wants to say, right? I'm not saying you have to be weeping every time you read the Bible, but I am saying you need to be open to the fact that God wants to speak to you through the words, even the ones you've heard a thousand times. So we're going to read through some of these things. And the beginning is a little odd because we have these things, these chapters and these verses that are inserted in there to make the Bible easier to reference, easier to find where everybody's reading. They're kind of a tool to use. But sometimes they have our readings. Of course, we can't read the whole Bible every time. And so sometimes you jump in right in the middle of something. And that's what's happening here, right? In the 14th chapter of John, Jesus is in the middle of the Last Supper. He's already washed his disciples' feet. And just before the first verse of John, of John chapter 14, which says, let not your hearts be troubled, just before that, he had told his followers, his best friends, those people who had walked with him for three years, these really intimate, close friends. It even specifies how John, the, or we assume it's John, but it says the disciple whom Jesus loved is actually reclining with him at table. They're so close. And, you know, it's an interesting picture, right? In the middle of social distancing, maybe we understand the intimacy that comes from just being close with your friends. That they're all sitting at table together and it's this intimate moment. And he says, one of you is going to betray me. Of course, in hindsight, we know that's Judas Iscariot who sold Jesus to the religious leaders. And that is what put the mechanics in motion that ended up with Jesus on the cross. But the disciples are looking at each other. They know these people. They've been walking with them closely. And they're like, who is he talking about? And even in the chapter before, it says that Jesus' soul was troubled as he was sharing this. So Jesus isn't like we read him sometimes, some uh, uh, Vulcan you know, emotionless deliverer of platitudes and theology and doctrine. He really is, he's, he's hurting over the fact that one of his good friends is going to betray him. And when he shares it with them, the disciples, understandably, are also troubled. But Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Which is fascinating, because right before that it says Jesus' soul was troubled. So he's not saying that you're not going to experience emotional turmoil. He's saying, don't let that be the last word. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He felt the emotions and he reminded himself of the truth. And this is what the truth is, right? Don't let your hearts be troubled. And then the rest of this is kind of his answer to the troubles that he's laid out before him. But specifically here it says, believe in God, believe also in me. Which, of course, has amazing theological significance because Jesus is saying, I'm like God. The way you believe in God is the way you can believe in me. And that's a really important point that he's reassuring these disciples of. Because he's been telling them for the chapters leading up to this, I'm going to suffer, be persecuted, and die. And guess what? You're going to be persecuted too. He's been telling them that. And they're like, whoa, Jesus, that's not the plan we heard of the Messiah. And so he's reminding them, but I am God, you can believe God and I can be believed in the same way. So he's reassuring them, right? 
And something about belief that came up recently, I don't know what happened. Uh, my wife is convinced that showing Rowan Monsters, Inc. at two and a half years old was a little too early because recently he became very afraid of closets. I think correlation, causation, I don't know. But I am saying that Rowan has become afraid of closets. And how do I know that? I know for a fact that he believes that there's a monster in the closet because when I ask him to get something out of his closet in his room, his whole demeanor changes. His attitude, he's, he's kind of like, uh, he, he'll like think about it, he'll take a step, he'll come back, and he has this fearful look on his face, and then he'll look at me and be like, come on, Dad, let's, let's do this together, you know? And he will not go to the closet without holding my hand, because he is convinced, he believes that there's something scary in his closet. So what does that say about belief, Right? Belief is evidenced by our actions. You might say you believe something, but your actions will show. It's easy to talk about our fears, right? Because our actions are so tied with our fears. If, let's say, you're driving down the road and somebody swings into your lane, your fear reaction, man, the adrenaline, the pumping, you believe that something bad might happen and you might swerve, whatever that is. Our beliefs about our fears, we can easily see the correlation between that and our actions. But our beliefs about God need to be just as tightly wound. Do you believe the words that God has said? Are you acting and putting yourself in a posture that says, I believe God is on my side and he loves me and he's for me and not against me. What can man do to me? So just make sure that as you read this, believe in God, believe also in me. It's like you don't need to recite the Nicene Creed in that moment. You need to look at your heart and say, where am I not believing the things that God has told me, has promised me? And maybe repeat scripture back to yourself, because none of us get to the point where we just walk around unscathed like, well, my faith is going to protect me. No, it's not that. Remember, Jesus' soul was troubled. Jesus, the man who believed every word of the Father, who was sinless, he still experienced the trials. He still suffered through it all. Sometimes believing in God is just believing that no matter what happens, God is good. Maybe it's reminding yourself of that. And you'll see that kind of play out a little bit more in here, right? And so he starts to explain. He's like, okay, I told you I'm going to die. I told you I'm going to leave you. I told you I'm going to suffer. But I'm going somewhere. There's a purpose to this. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. This is Jesus' ultimate comfort for his disciples. He knows that they're going to be persecuted, and some of them even are martyred for belief in him. And so he's giving them the hope, the, the package, like, you, this is not all there is. Even if you strive living for God your whole life and you feel like you never see the fruit of what God has promised you, we have an ultimate guarantee that in the end, all shall be well. All manner of things shall be well. You will be received into the heart of God the Father. You'll be received into his house. And I bring that up because sometimes we just, we conflate these ideas in our mind of the, the kind of prosperity gospel stuff. And I don't want to dive too deep into this, but I'll just say, believing in Jesus is not a guarantee that your life's going to be easy. It's not even a guarantee that your life's going to be easier than it was before you believed in Jesus. 
Belief in Jesus is a guarantee that your life will be meaningful and that in the end, all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. It's not an empty platitude, right? It's not the heaven out there somewhere. It's you can live your life in such a way that you will experience righteousness, peace, and joy no matter what happens. And in the end, God will validate your life. You don't have to defend your life because you have an advocate who will defend your life if you live for him. Moving on here. And you know the way to where I'm going. He kind of throws that on, right? He's like, I'm going to this mansion. I'm going to build all these house, these rooms in this mansion. And uh, you guys know where it is. And Thomas is like, what? We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus, of course, you know, he's going he's gonna to lay it out for him. Oh, it's okay, Thomas. I'll answer you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Thomas is like, wait a sec. That wasn't directions. But it was, right? Because he's not talking about a place. He's talking about a way. He's talking about the way. He's talking about the truth. He's talking about the life that we're called to. We're called to the way. We're called to the truth. And we're called to the life. And when we follow those, we will end up in this mansion. As, 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 this, as this imagery, it's so beautiful, right? It's like, don't trivialize it. It's not somewhere in Beverly Hills. It's like, there's abundance in heaven. There's comfort. There's home in heaven. And there's a place for you, particularly. So Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is all about exclusivity, Right? This is a claim that no one in the history of the world can make except for Jesus. He didn't say, I am a truth, I am a way, or I am a life. He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. The way that came to me, last night we were um, washing our couch coverings. You know, we've got those cushions, and they just needed to be washed over time. We have a two-year-old, you know, things happen. And so we pulled all the couch uh, covers off, and then you have to stuff the cushion, the actual seat back into them. And I will tell you, there is only one way that that cushion will go in that couch cover. There is only one way that you can live your life that will be fitting what you've been called for. Now, obviously, we fall away from the path or we make mistakes, however you want to talk about that. We sin in our life. The point is, you don't have to judge every single action against some perfect trajectory. When Jesus said, I am the way, he didn't mean that we have to wear sandals and a robe and long hair and a beard. Like, there's a general principle here. He lived his life in such a way that we should be imitators of the way he lived. In fact, Christians were first called people of the way. That was what they were telling people. We've met Jesus. He is the way. Come along the journey with us. Now we're called Christians, which in the Greek, the original word meant like little Christ. It's the same concept. People who walk the way of Christ, who imitate Christ, who follow Christ. In fact, I want to tie this into uh, Stephen, the first martyr, which was our first reading today. He lived the way. He lived a life of love. We, the things we know about Stephen, we only know a few things. But man, if you have a hero in the faith, this, is, this should be one of them. We know that he helped distribute food to the widows and the orphans. 
We know that he stood in front of the Sanhedrin and delivered one of the most powerful speeches in Acts, defending the, the truth of who God was. And we know that when he laid his life down for the same people he was trying to convince, they murdered him because he was saying, talking about the way. He was inviting them into the way. They murdered him because they were so angry. And yet, as he's being stoned, he says a, a note of forgiveness, just like Father, or just like uh, Jesus on the cross. He says, Father, don't hold this against them. They're stoning me to death, but don't hold this against them. That is the way. A life that is so radically transformed by love that you could live out of a place of self-sacrifice and forgiveness till your last breath. It's a high calling. But it is the way. But you can't have just the way. There's a reason Jesus had three things. Because he's not just communicating, follow me, imitate me, do what I do. There's more to it than that. There's also the truth. And what that has to do with, it's all connected, you can't totally separate it. But what the truth has to do with is this thing I was talking about with belief. You need to be transformed not only in just trying to imitate Christ, but you need to know the truth of who Christ is. Because there have been people who have tried to imitate Christ in their own way, and God has grace on them. But if you don't have the truth to guide you, then how do you know what way to follow? There are other text out there from early centuries that claim to be talking about the way that Jesus lived on the earth that we know and have been verified by the early church councils were false. And I bring that up just to say that today there are many people trying to tell you how to live the way of Jesus. And you need to have a solid foundation in the truth So that you know which way to go. Don't be led astray. That's a constant reminder throughout the New Testament. And so what what does that mean for you in your home? It means get in the Word. Because the Holy Spirit can use the Scripture to speak to you the truth. It means tune in online right now with our church services and hear the Word preached from the pulpit. Go through the motions of the liturgy. There's so much truth that you hear in one of our services. Even the songs we sing. And it's not just an intellectual exercise. It's not memorizing creeds. Just. That might be part of it. But it's actually transforming the way that we think. Like Romans 12, 2 says. We need to be transformed in the renewal of our mind. In an age of platitudes, like speak your truth, or well that's your truth but not my truth, Jesus cries out still, I am the truth. Stephen was committed to the truth. You know why Stephen died? Because he was committed to the truth of Jesus. He didn't just live the way. He wouldn't even speak something that wasn't true. All he needed to say in front of these religious leaders who ended up stoning him is, you're right, I'm wrong. And then he could go about living his life feeding the widows and the orphans. But he was so committed to the truth of God that instead he stood up and he prophetically taught the truth to the exact people who were getting ready to kill him. That is one of the calls of being a Christian. It's not just living your life in an outpouring of love. It's having that love guided and formed and infused with the truth of what we've been taught throughout the ages, throughout scriptures, throughout the tradition of the church. 
And even then, when you get the truth inside of you, you may be called upon to stand up and prophetically speak against the lies that are bringing people away from the way, the truth, and the life. There are people who are dying for lack of truth. And it might be a call in your life as you get that seed planted in you to prophetically speak the truth that God loves them. That he came in the form of his son Jesus. That he sent his son to die on the cross for them. Maybe it's just a simple gospel. But there, that, that, that concept that we need to live and be formed by the truth and speak the truth in love, that goes throughout everything you do in your life. In the midst of being stoned, Stephen never left the way of Jesus that was infused with love for these people who were even the people who were killing him. And that's why he called out in forgiveness. And so you need to balance these things in your mind. It's like you, you can't use the truth as a hammer to beat people down. Because that's not what Jesus did. That's not what Stephen did. He spoke the truth prophetically. He stood up and he said, this is what the truth is. He used the Old Testament to, to evidence who Jesus was, to talk about who, this way. But he did it in a way that was coming out of love. He didn't do it in a way that was condemning them in the way that you, you often see. I don't, I don't know exactly how to phrase this. But my point is, he is willing to call them out and say, if you read his speech, it's really powerful, man. He says, you thick-headed fools, in one translation. You, you rejected the man Jesus, the Messiah, the one that you say you're waiting for, the one that you say you're studying, you rejected them. And in your history in Israel, you killed the prophets. We, they bear that guilt, right, of rejecting the word of God. And he calls them out on it. But he also dies for them, really, and says, Father, don't hold this against them. Somewhere in the middle, we've got to find that. We've got to ask Jesus to guide us in that. That radical love combined with a radical commitment to truth. And lastly, Jesus said he is the life. Well, I'll just say one more thing about the truth, right? I was saying accidents, evidence, actions, evidence, belief. So it's not just about posting something to Facebook. However true it is. I like the phrase, it's a little cliche, but I like the phrase, preach the gospel, use words only if you have to. There is a moment of this where it's like you need to live the truth. And that is going to be the evidence that people are going to listen to. The, way, the reason the church grew so rapidly in the early church was because Stephen sat there saying, I forgive you as he's getting stoned to death. Not because of this amazing evidence of scripture. That was important. But man, the witness that came that he was willing to live it to the end. That is a powerful statement of truth. And Jesus said he is the life. And I just want to bring up a quick story. And I'll close with this. I mean, as I said, I didn't think I would get through the whole thing. But I wanted to talk about a friend of mine who I went to college with who um, recently, in the past couple of years, he's been battling cancer. And he, he's just an amazing guy. He has had a long journey. When I knew him, he was um, struggling with atheism, really doubting his faith. Uh, but he came back and he, and he did this Facebook live event where he just kind of shared with people some of his journey and I got to listen to it and it, it's amazing. It really impacted me. 
because the latest scan and the latest information about his cancer, he said it clearly in his video. He goes, it looks like I'm going to die from this. And yet he was willing to stand up in front of people and speak the truth. Let me just tell one quick story from what he's saying. And, you know, I'm praying for him and there's, there's a chance that God does a miracle and saves his life. But he is taking this seriously, this idea that Jesus is the life. He was talking about his first trip to chemotherapy. And there was just a heaviness in the room, a sadness. He was looking at all these people who just, that you can tell by their faces, they're just broken down. Maybe they're bitter, resentful, angry, miserable. And yet there was this one guy, he said, in the far corner of the room who was just beaming away. This old guy, emaciated, he didn't have long for this world. And he was just talking to everybody and just beaming and laughing. And David looked at him and he goes, man, I want to be like him. If I have to go through this, I want to be like him. That's my guy. I want to be like that guy. And so he really intentionally, he he had come back to the faith before he got his um, diagnosis, and he really intentionally, he went after the scripture. And he just said, he's like, I'm really bad at referencing scripture, but what I found is that I have to steep myself in the word of God to face the tragedy and the difficulty that I'm going through in my life. And he said this one other thing, he said, What I noticed is that guy had more life than anybody else in the room. And he might have been the guy who was closest to physically dying. And he said, some of these people that I've encountered, it feels like they died before cancer killed them. Because their spirit was so broken. And he said he just, he he weeps for these people. You know, I mean... Talk about somebody who's really gone through it. He's been through two years of this, and he just got a diagnosis that all the work, all the pain that he's gone through, all the suffering may not be enough. But he said, cancer doesn't get to beat me. I get to live the life that I see evidenced in Jesus. And I get to be a part of Jesus' story. I love that. He said, I'm a part of a bigger story. It's not about whether I live or die right now. It's about the fact that I'm living the life that God has called me to live in this world. And I am a part of a bigger story of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And whatever happens in the coming months and years, and this is all from him, right? He's like, whatever happens in the coming months and years, I know that I win with Jesus That I am resurrected with him. Maybe I get a year more life. Maybe I get weeks more life. Maybe I get 30 years more life. Whatever it is, I'm committed to living life. And life abundantly. I was so encouraged by that. Because we just get beaten down in our life. We get our, Our focus goes from here to like here when a crisis comes in. And we forget to know that we're a part of a bigger story. No matter what you're going through right now, Jesus is calling you to walk his way. David's doing that. He's loving on the people that he encounters. And he's living his life for Jesus. He's calling you to believe his truth, to believe in Jesus. And like I said, David is just steeping himself in scriptures and looking for the truth because he's got nothing else to hold on to except for Jesus and the guarantees that he's given through his word. 
And through those things, by living the life of Jesus, by holding on to the truth that we know of Jesus, he's able to live a life. And there's thousands of views on this video now. And just universally, it's just convicting all these people who are watching. I mean, think, he could, he could have just closed up his shell. It would have been totally understandable if he just said, I've got cancer. I tried to fight it for two years. I found out it's probably not going to work. I'm probably going to die. I'm just going to shut down. Man, I would have understood. I wouldn't have held it against him. But he decided he wanted to live his life. And he's like, I'm going to keep living life. I'm going to keep sharing updates on Facebook. I'm going to keep speaking truth as long as I live. Let's be like David. My friend. Let's be like Stephen. Let's live the way of Jesus. Encountering people in love and radical love and forgiveness. Let's live the truth of Jesus, having our actions guided not by the things that we learn in school or by the media or all the various inputs, but being shaped and formed by the word of God and the community that he's put us in in the church. And let's live our life to the fullest, regardless of our circumstances, because as he was talking about this guy, he said he had more life than anybody in the room, even if he was that close to physical death. Even though he's the one that you'd pass on the street and you would pity this old man that David saw in his chemotherapy room. But he had more life than anybody in the room. So wherever you're at, you can live the life of Jesus and you can share the light with those around you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you came and that you showed us the way. I thank you that you did not shun even the most shameful death on the cross, the painful death on the cross, and that you came and you resurrected, and that no matter what we're going through, you can be walking through it with us and guaranteeing us the promise of resurrection. And Lord, I thank you that ultimately our faith is in not only this life, but the life to come. That there's more to this world than what we see. There's more to this world than what we do in our lives on earth. But actually, in all things, you will bring powerful redemption. So, Lord, even as we look towards that day, we pray that you bring your kingdom to earth now through the way that we live our life. In your name. Amen. And we'll say together the statement of our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, 
the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly and in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. We commend to your mercy all who have died that your will for them may be fulfilled. And we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. God of compassion, be close to those who are ill, afraid, or in isolation. In their loneliness, be their consolation. In their anxiety, be their hope. In their darkness, be their light. Through him who suffered alone on the cross but reigns with you in glory, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Those of you who are watching as we stream this, stop what you're doing. <coughs> and let's acknowledge our sins and shortcomings and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I've done, by what I've left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbor as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution, remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of His Holy Spirit. Peace, Lord, be always with you. <coughs>
talking uh, just briefly about announcements, and uh, I will tell you, uh, I, I really love doing announcements, so a couple other people were like, hey, we'd love to do announcements for you, and I, you know, I fought them off, so we're good. I'm back here, I'm joking a little bit, but um, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about what we go on, got going on, you know, things are constantly shifting around us, and we see uh, new things coming out, and I just want you to know that the Rector's Council, Bishop, uh, are really staying abreast and praying for the church as we kind of see all these various developments and stuff, so thank you for tuning in all the ways that we've tried to meet your needs, and uh, it's been really great to see you guys online, and we do look forward to the day when we can see you all in person and invite everybody um, to home groups and church services and all that because it's just so good when you get to have that fellowship and I know we're all craving it. Um, so I just wanted to talk, uh, obviously we've been talking about giving, you guys know the drill for the most part, I just want to go over, uh, we are doing this church center is our new app. If you want to go find us on church center, no more tithely. Um, if you have something set up there, don't panic. We aren't going to just turn it all off yet, but please do switch over and then, uh, you can find all the other giving information on our website or you can, uh, mail a check to the church. And then this week we have a, a special Ed Talk. I always say that it's one of the best and one of my favorite events that we have during the week. But on Facebook Live, uh, my mom, uh, happy Mother's Day, mom, uh, will be giving a synopsis of something that God really put on her heart uh, as she was praying about the ladies retreat um, when we were planning on having it uh, this week. And so she really want, has something she wants to share. So please do tune in there. And uh, there might be, she said, a special surprise. I really don't know what that means, but she told me to announce it. So there you go. Tune into the Ed Talk. And then we have our uh, Zoom home group meetings or video conferencing home group meetings. So please reach out to your home group leader if you need any information on that. Or if you want to join a home group, you know, find a way to get a hold of any of us. We'd love to plug you in there. Uh, the cool thing about video conferencing is you don't even necessarily have to be local. I've jumped into a couple of home group meetings from churches who are farther away out in Michigan or out in New York. So join in on those. Those have been really a blessing. And lastly, we have our uh, virtual home group on Thursday night uh, with some worship and a word. So those are kind of the things to be uh, looking out for. And we look forward to connecting you through connecting with you throughout the week. We are tuning out the noise, pressing in to hear your voice. We are rising up and we're shaking off the dust. There's a stirring in the wells, and our hearts are overwhelmed. Let Stronghold down, step into the freedom. 
Well, we want to remember every last mother uh, who are so very, very important. Even in the story of uh, God's intervention with mankind and straightening the whole mess out, wouldn't you know, there's a mother involved. <laughs> so we want to really, really honor all the mothers this day, and we just hold this Eucharist up for every one of you, and all the future mothers, too. <clears throat> the Lord be with you. Lift up, Lift up your hearts. Give thanks to the Lord our God. <clears throat> Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we praise you with greater joy than ever on the Easter season when Christ became our Paschal sacrifice. He's the true Lamb who took away the sins of the world, and by dying, He destroyed death. And by rising, He restored our life. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and join with their unending hymn of praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you're holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread, he gave you thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Later, when supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to them, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love, together with our patriarch Craig and all of the clergy. We especially pray for those who are sick or infirmed, spirit, soul, or body. We pray, Lord, for Olivia and Connie and Susan and Carl, Serena, Naomi, Rachel, Radia, Nadia, Kyle and Sonja and Sandra, Joyce, Maria, Karen, David and Darcy and Tammy, the Rich family, Wayne and Spencer, the Missouri family, Todd and the Pippin family, and the Marines and Sailors at Camp Pendleton. You may add names of those you're praying for now. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken, and as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ in the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs, all of the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours. Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. <clears throat> thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us now our daily bread. Give us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah, Christ, our Passover sacrifice for us. Therefore, let us keep peace. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. 
the Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. The body and blood of Christ. The body and blood of Christ. Your friend.
You know, what are the uh, primary purposes attested to that passage in 14th chapter John is to draw a correlation and give the strength and hope in us that Jesus lives within us and we within him, just as he does with the Father and the Father in him. So especially for those of you who uh, can't be here, doesn't matter where you are, you're with him and he's with you. So let us pray together. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you've graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel, God was in Christ Jesus reconciling. Reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting men's sins against him. And he loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. Remain with you always. Amen. Go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.